Hi, I'm Johnny, and I've never seen The Muppet Christmas Carol. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Fine, I'll Watch It. As always, my name is Adam. And I'm Bridget. And we are joined, as you heard up top, by Johnny for the show where we show somebody, anybody, sometimes multiple people, a movie they've never seen before that they absolutely should have by now. Uh, You heard him admit uh, to as much as not seeing The Muppet Christmas Carol, the beloved cult Muppet classic from 1992. Johnny, welcome. Hi. Now, we talked about this in our uh, favorite Christmas episode, our favorite Christmas movie uh, kind of breakdown as we did Jingle All the Way a couple weeks ago, and you didn't say anything at the time, and then you came in uh, during the Gremlins recording and said, guys, I've never seen Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you think that maybe you had, or what convinced you now that you hadn't seen this movie before? I feel like, and I'll probably even admit this now, that I, I've seen, like, as Bridget would typically say, absorbed by osmosis. Yeah. I've seen a lot of Muppet material over the years. Uh, there's one where they go to Manhattan, I believe, that I've they probably seen yeah. at least once. They take once. it. Yeah, they, they take, take, it. They take, okay. they take Manhattan. <laughs> Just that burrow. <laughs> and, yeah, I know there's some newer iterations, or not iterations, but, like, revampings or, I don't know, Jason Siegel did one. Or... Yeah, he, it was kind of like a soft reboot, but really it was just in continuation. But it was another Muppets gotta save something, and it's gonna take all of them to do it. Right, right. So, so yeah, I think I've seen quite a bit. I'm familiar with at least three or four of the characters' names. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I guess to harken back, I mean, just as a growing up, wasn't really a Muppet house, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think we did hand-drawn cartoons, and then someone showed me Goodfellas, and I was off to the races. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I really got into live-action kids' material mm-hmm. outside of, like, Power Rangers, and, you know, I did watch, what was that one puppet show that I watched? Lamb Chop, I think, was a puppet show? <sighs> Lamb, Chop. Lamb Chop was Okay, a so show. I used to watch that when I was a young, young, young yeah, lad. Yeah. Uh, between that and like vanilla, I would watch that. Vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> what that was for a second. I remember now. Um, but yeah, I I I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know what? I there's no way I could say with certainty that I've seen this movie front okay. to back. So I felt like, and I know you really liked this movie. Mm-hmm. So I felt like it was a wonderful opportunity for me to finally admit that I've not seen it. So. <laughs> Okay, no judgments here. Yes. Um, so just to touch on this a little bit, Bridget, this is also one that you routinely watch every I Christmas, do. correct? I do. Um, I think this is the ultimate adaptation of Charles Dickens' work. Yeah, it just it it's got everything a Christmas movie needs. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm the same way. I this is I've seen multiple iterations of A Christmas Carol, uh, stage, screen, TV, movies, what have you. Um, and this is the one that I always come back to because this is the one that has m- the most for me beyond just being Muppets and me and really enjoying the Muppets and like the whole, like their particular brand of comedy just really is something that I enjoy. The the slapstick, but also the very literal comedy where like somebody says something and 
then presents the thing when really it's a colloquialism and yet they have the object of the colloquialism in their hand or whatever. So I always really like that and I like the the kind of spin it puts on the story itself. But we'll get into a little bit more of that. But I just want to touch base Muppet related with you, Johnny. Now you mentioned you have you seen the twenty eleven Jason Siegel The Muppets? No, I don't think I have. I because there's that one. There's a Ricky Gervais one, I think. That one's yeah, Muppets Most Wanted. That's which is the direct sequel to that one. Okay, not as good. The 2011 one is fun. It's got good songs. Jason Siegel's good in it. You can tell like he wrote it, um, and you can tell that he has an appreciation for uh, the Muppets and like their history. Um, so it's a really good kind of yeah. understanding of the characters but also bringing the whole franchise into the 21st century when really everything from this going forward like there's a lot of adaptations of public domain properties so like they do this then they go do treasure island and they love treasure island um and then they do a bunch of other things so have you seen like have you seen them do you know for a fact have you seen a Muppet <laughs> movie all the way through I don't know like, <laughs> like, like I said like basically ones. yeah and I'll be happy to say that I probably haven't seen one front to back okay. like and again you mentioned Jason Siegel and I had watched Forgetting Sarah Marshall where mm-hmm. like there's a plot point where he's trying to start a puppet show in that yep, movie he's, he's got a Muppet style and musical you could tell that he just like actually really likes to do that shit and be in that world so when I'd heard they were doing like a Muppets soft reboot mm-hmm. I thought that was the perfect guy to sort of take the reins on that um, I did watch a few episodes when they tried to do like that office meets mm-hmm. the Muppets yeah I thought it was kind of funny, but and then everyone's like, no, that shit. And I'm like, oh, and then I guess I Muppets, like, I don't know what Muppets funny is, though. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite sure what constitutes yeah, Muppet yeah. funny. Um, but, no, I've seen, again, I've seen enough Muppet stuff where I, I, it's funny to me. It mm-hmm. just, I don't know, yeah, I just never really went out and tried to take Manhattan or <laughs> Treasure Island or... Do a caper. Yeah, yeah. A caper. Never try to steal the Hope Diamond. No, but sounds great. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Now, Bridget, you mentioned liking Muppet Treasure Island. What are some of your favorite Muppet memories and movies and TV shows? Um, I honestly, I love um, the Muppet show. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll sometimes just like throw a random episode on, you know, the Alice Cooper episode. Great stuff. A, A high watermark for me. Mark Hamill's Pigs in Space is also very good. Excellent. Um... You know, I think just a lot of Jim Henson's work I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, even some of, like, proto-Muppet, like, the coffee commercials he did, like, mm-hmm. to me are the, the height of comedy. Have you ever seen any of the SNL skits? No, I haven't. But I know they were, they're on the first episode of SNL, I think. They were supposed to be a part of it. And then Lord Michaels or someone was like, mm. You got, yeah, it was basically like the TV funhouse of its day. Yeah. Or the Andy Samberg, like, um, Lonely Island stuff, where, like, every, once, every couple of generations, there'll be a thing where it's somebody makes some other content and that makes it into the show. And for that first year, I think there was a couple instances. But yeah, those are just like a fun history of kind of thing. Yeah. How about you, Adam? You're you're the the head Muppet. Yes. He- the Muppet head yeah. here. I love that. I've always loved the Muppets. I think I talked about this when we did Labyrinth. Yeah. Um, just because that was the Jim Henson company and 
yeah, I remember growing up watching the Muppets. I think as a kid, I probably would have watched like the Muppet Babies cartoon. Oh, which... I forgot about Muppet Babies. Yeah, that was probably very formative. Yeah, because that would have been on like in the mornings, getting ready for school or daycare or what have you. Like it would have been a thing that was on regularly. So I probably ingested a lot of those episodes, which that in itself is a spinoff of, I want to say, Manhattan. I um, think so. It's either that or Caper. It's one of those Muppet movies where there's a Muppet Baby sequence in it. And then they just made an animated series on it. I remember doing like Jim Henson uh, projects in school where, and I think I talked about this, where I know there was one where I like had a Kermit and like he gave the oral report while I was under the desk, just like moving his hands along. Um, so I, I've always been a big fan of Jim Henson and Jim Henson's work. And as I got older, you know, you realize that like the comedy there is kind of above your head as a kid. Like, it's there for the adults, too, but also, you know, with things like Sesame Street, you're learning, and you don't even realize what you're learning and what is getting ingrained into you, and it's all just kind of great stuff. I love all the movies. The Muppet movie is probably my favorite, this being a close second. Uh, the only reason I wouldn't put this above is because it's a Christmas movie, and I don't typically watch this in the middle of July where I can watch the Muppet movie whenever I want to. But yeah, I love all of the, you know... I watch all the TV specials when they would have come out. The Muppet Show. They had Muppets Tonight in the 90s, which was like a reboot of The Muppet Show. I did watch that Office-style one. For the life of me, I don't remember anything about it. But I remember not really enjoying it at the time. But I also wasn't watching anything like that either at the time. So like, I wasn't watching The Office when it was on TV. I didn't watch Parks and Rec when that was on TV if they even overlapped at all in, like, 2009, 2010. Yeah, because I think I was watching Parks and Rec around the time that came out, and I'm like, oh, I like the snap zooms. I like the, like, in Muppets or so, the way they're just built because their eyes don't really fucking move are perfect for, like, those awkward stares mm -hmm. of, like, into space about how to sort of, like, mentally tackle a scenario. Um, and then smash cut to something else, but... Um, so I thought it was a perfect, like, vehicle for that content, but... Yeah, and, like, the whole thing, like, most Muppet content is the behind-the-scenes of them making a show or doing a show or trying to start a show or getting the gang back together to make a new show. So, like, doing an Office-style comedy around, I think it was Miss Piggy having a late-night talk show made perfect sense. Just the execution was really weird, and as a Muppet fan, it was also at a time when there was a lot of, like, turnover, a lot of the main... But puppeteers didn't really like the direction of the show because they thought it was too mean-spirited because The Office is mean-spirited. And so that kind of caused a lot of clashes with, like, Frank Oz and some of the other, like, classic Muppet puppeteers. And so Muppets in recent years sound a lot different, and I don't really like them as much uh, in the newer things, but I'll still see anything that comes out um, about it. So pivoting to the other half of this movie... What is kind of your familiarity with The Christmas Carol? Like, do you have any favorite adaptations of it? Have you ever read the Dickens classic? Never read the classic. <laughs> um, we watched Scrooged. Yes, we did. <laughs> That's right, we did. We did. Uh, so that, and I've seen whatever one they typically play. Well, I haven't seen the, the Zemeckis one, whatever, the one with Jim Carrey. Okay. Didn't see that one. I've seen whatever the most popular cartoon version of it they play like every year on TV. I don't know which one it is or if it's... The only animated one I can think of is the Mickey one. Like there's a Mickey's Mickey. Christmas there's Carol. There's a Mickey one. There is another animated one because I think it exists on VHS somewhere in my grandparents' house. 
but I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Again, just, like, it just happened to be another, like, tale or story that just did not circulate in the holiday rotation for us. Mm-hmm. I've heard of it. I've watched it a couple of times. Scrooge is probably the most, like, visual, like, memorable mm-hmm. experience I've had with the story. So, yeah, not a lot with that either. So, kind of scared going into <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so not not a lot. What about you, Bridget? Do you have any other favorite adaptation? Have you read the Dickens story? I've not read it all the way through. I've read, like, bits and passages of it, um, you know, from my former life. How big is the book? <laughs> it's like a novella. Yeah, it was, it was published story. in, yeah. That's like, why I kept hesitating because I'm not sure what to call it. Is it a... Is it a novel? Is it a poem? Is it a short story? Like, I don't remember. Well, that's what why I was just saying in bits and pieces. I'm like, what is this? Like, a yeah. thousand page? Like... Uh, well, if I'm Think remember... six Harry Potters. Yeah. <laughs> Woof. It was published serially, so you would get, like, a chapter a week, was how it was originally a published. A ghost a week? A ghost a week, pretty much. So certain segments I'm more familiar with, and, you know, some of them were, like, passages that Mark Twain and his family liked. Um, we know that he was a huge Charles Dickens fan, like went to go see Dickens read it out loud on a first date with his wife. So that that's sort of my familiarity with the text itself is more, so, more so through the Mark Twain lens than the Dickens lens. Um, I've seen it performed on stage, which is great, but like I said, this is the best adaptation of it. So what's like the best live action adaptation of it outside of like this, I suppose? Um, there's one that came out in the 70s or 80s that I think a lot of people consider the definitive one, but I, there's dozens of film adaptations go, like starting from the early silent period. Yeah, I know that bunch. I just wasn't too sure which. Yeah, so let me find the the Wikipedia obviously breaks it down by all sorts of things, so the first live-action version of this is a short British film entitled Scrooge or Marley's Ghost from 1901. So, like, even as far back as the turn of the 20th century, they started to do these on whatever would have be considered film at that point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it might have just right. been you put your face inside of a spinny thing, and instead and of a horse running, it, yeah. it's a ghost chasing Ebenezer Scrooge. I don't know. Yeah. It's... A- it's hard to overstate how influential the book is in shaping even our modern understanding of you know Christmas celebrations. It's one of the first pieces of literature that really codifies these are kind of Christmas traditions, mm-hmm. you know, like gotcha. at least for English speakers, you know, of the Christmas tree, which is really a German tradition and you know, the idea of gift giving, the idea of being charity, nice everyone, being yeah. fucking mm-hmm. nice. Um, office Christmas parties. Office Christmas parties. <laughs> um, you know, and, you know, it has that sort of, it's defining these things that, you know, we still kind of carry on as traditions today, which it makes it a really interesting hmm. piece. It's funny looking at the list of live action films because most of them are either called Scrooge or A Christmas Carol. So, like, it's really hard to differentiate between any one of them because they're all the same title. There aren't a lot where there's a spin-out. Like, there's one called The Right to Be Happy. There's one called uh, Scrooged. And then everything else besides The Muppet Christmas Carol and the one I said up top are all called either A Christmas Carol or Scrooge. So. 
Why do you think there have been so many iterations of it? I think it's just it's a classic story in the public domain. Anybody can do it. It's it's a Christmas film, so I think you slap anybody on it, and you could market it, and people will go see it because it's familiar, it's digestible. Yeah. And the problem with that is it's hard to put a new spin on it. So, I mean, Scrooge did a good job putting a different spin on it, making it like an 80s rah-rah, yuppie kind of thing. This is obviously the Muppets and a very different spin. Um, but I think everything else is kind of hard. Even the Zemeckis one is, the spin is, oh, it's motion capture. And it's that, you know, that yeah. style of film that he was doing a bunch, Polar Express, Beowulf, all that, that was prevalent in that time frame. But I think it's just an easy digestible. You don't have to really do a lot of work to it. And you'll probably make a decent amount of money. Because again, you don't really need a lot of sets either. You just need old timey clothes if you want to do it that way. And right. some cobblestone streets and you've got yourself a Christmas carol. Yeah. It can be as sparse or as rich as you want it to be. Mm -hmm. Given that you've really only seen Scrooged as far as your familiarity with it, do you have any expectations going in for this? Is there any, like, do you know any of the human actors or anything? Don't know any of the human actors or okay. none. Um, no, I, I expected to probably follow and parody the story pretty closely. The three ghosts, we're going to have a Scrooged, a happy ending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay. Christmas? Yes, Christmas. Christmas. It's snow? <laughs> yes. Okay. Christmas Eve, the whole deal. Okay. Gooses, you know. Yeah. Hams. Yeah, the whole thing. I'll take a ham or two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I hope that you will uh, enjoy it. Don't feel bad if you don't, because again, I think this is something we talk about a lot and something that I experienced with Gremlins, where this is a nostalgia thing for Bridget and I. This is a childhood piece. I don't know how to look at it through the lens of seeing it for the first time as an adult. And it's hard to not hear us say we love it so much and not have that set an expectation. But as always, no judgments. And no, again, and I think I have the benefit of being exposed to quite a bit of material before and material that I've like admittedly said that I've liked and mm -hmm. enjoyed and laughed at. So I think I'm going to have a good time with it. It's just, I we'll talk about the Christmas Carol story afterwards, but yeah. we'll just, that'll be the, the thing. Cool. All right. Well, Bridget, any other things that you want to get out there before we, uh, Sit down for this holly jolly time. No, I'm ready. All right, well then, Johnny, what do you have to say for yourself? Fine, I'll watch it.
All right, we are back. We have just finished watching 1992's The Muppet Christmas Carol. Now, Johnny, you were on the hot seat this week. Unsure if you've ever seen this movie, or any Muppet movie for that matter, completely front to back. So I want to know, how are you feeling after watching this movie? Yeah, this was cute. I liked it. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was scared. Yeah, I was a little too. The Ghost of Christmas Past. <laughs> the first one. Guys. <laughs> was rough <laughs> i thought we lost you it seemed like you were there in the beginning uh, and then the ghost of christmas past gave you serious annette flashbacks <laughs> I thought yeah we... it, that hurt a lot to see but no I, I i enjoyed it um wasn't as funny as i think i wanted it to be mm -hmm. but it's cute it's charming yeah i liked it i don't know nice. i like michael kane yeah yeah how was that for you because we didn't want to spoil the surprise of the Really, the only human actor of consequence in this movie. <laughs> no, he's great. Again, it's it's. I'm so used to seeing him in these charismatic sort of protagonist type roles where mm -hmm. he's like good guy. So it's kind of cool to kind of see him start out as a villain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. How was it for you guys on the millionth watch? Delightful as always. Yeah, yeah it's always wonderful. It was a little more trepidatious this time because I kept looking over at you to be like, see, having fun. See, is, is it okay? Okay, there's a chuckle. All right, good. <laughs> yeah, no, again, like, I, in, like, full transparency, guys, like, I'm so tired, got the boost the other day, so I'm fighting through it, yeah. trying to find the holiday spirit. This movie had it, which was great, so. Mm -hmm. I just think it's 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 an uphill battle because it's just not something I watched as a kid, so. Yeah. And I don't know if, I suppose I'll watch a little bit of it if it's ever on. But yeah, it would have been nice to maybe have this one fairly early on in my life to enjoy it a little more. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, like, it is very kiddie. Um, You know, I talked in the before part about, like, the Muppets humor, and it's not the same as it is in other Muppet movies and TV shows. Because uh, this one is mostly front-loaded in terms of the, the comedy, and then once you get to the ghosts, it kind of just gets really sad. And a little scary. Right. Um, and the humor kind of takes a backseat. Like, there's some funny stuff uh, in there, but it does kind of take a backseat more so than there is, like, in the very beginning. Yeah. Um, so I was a little worried we were going to lose you in, in those moments. No, I, again, I was pretty much on this movie's wavelength in the beginning. Cause I when, when Michael Caine's name came up in the opening credits, and you just went, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, because I didn't really even... You guys said human characters, and for some reason, I wasn't even really thinking of, like, who Scrooge is going to be. I was thinking of, like, cameos and other things yeah. that I'm, like, used to, like, in Muppet mm -hmm. material where these sort of famous people just show up and leave. Not so much, like, the focal point, which is Scrooge. Yeah. And I think that's what I like a lot about this movie versus some of the other things, and especially a lot of the newer Muppet stuff, is that those are just so filled with cameos that it kind of takes you out of it because it's... I mean, I mentioned this uh, to you guys about some of the other more recent Muppet Christmas related things. And it's like, oh, Kermit's having a rough time. And here comes Whoopi Goldberg to save the day. And then yeah. they go to the mail, like they go to the post office and the guy from Law and Order is the mailman. And he sings <laughs> a song about mail. And it's just like, OK, it's not nearly as fun as, you know, the Muppets being the Muppets. And then they happen upon just like a celebrity playing a character in the movie versus just like, hey, look, it's this famous singer that's popular in 2011, and we need to shoehorn them in to the special. Um, whereas this is just like, everybody's playing a character except for Rizzo, who's playing himself. Yeah. Yeah, he's just like, I'm Rizzo the Rat. Yeah. yeah. 
But He's here for the food. If anything, it was cool to see like the Muppets show up one by one because I just have not been <laughs> in that space in quite some time. <laughs> I've not been on a Muppet set in a while. Like yeah. I've not seen that in a while. So it was nice to sort of see Animal show up and all those other guys. I mean, even Kermit was a delight because you only you don't get to see him for at least like fifteen minutes or so of the movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like, but yeah, I just I. It's cool to be in that world. I really like. I, I have a fascination with puppetry and just sort of the sets and how they get away with some of the things practically. Um, I know you guys said a little bit about them digitally erasing stuff on the Disney Plus version of this. They did or they didn't. Yeah, it's whatever. But yeah, I think that was as we were getting ready to watch it. What was that, Bridget? Uh, that was. Uh, this is unsubstantiated. I saw a tweet as I was getting ready to come here. <laughs> A happenstance came across my feed that, like, someone comparing shots that they had, like, either had, like, on an early download or what have you of, in the original, you can see kind of some of more of the behind the scenes mechanics of how the Muppets move Mm -hmm. and Disney Plus, some of those bits, like, I don't even know what to call them. I call them the arm sticks, the sticks that move. The supports or whatever. Yeah. Have been erased, which is... It doesn't really change. It's fine because it probably costs like nothing to do that. So I mean, yeah. they may as well just do it. Yeah. Well, they're and so thin. A, yeah, and yeah, it, it's something you're not going to notice anyways. Or ideally, you're not noticing if you're brought into the Muppet universe, the Muppet world. Yeah, I mean, to me, as someone who's seen a lot of the stuff, especially the older stuff, like it is fun to see like the puppeteering sticks that handle the hands, just because it's like that's part of the Muppet mystique almost is that you're seeing these things and how these are controlled and it gives you kind of that behind the scenes feel to it like you're there on the stage and you're with these characters but removing them is not that big a deal like it's just it is what it is it does kind of immerse you more in the world of it especially for something like this where they are embodying different characters like kermit is not kermit fozzy is not fozzy though he they basically are yeah Um, so it, it doesn't bother me i don't even think i would have noticed had you not said anything Clearly, I've watched this on Disney Plus before, as I talk about loving it so much that I've obviously seen it there, and I didn't notice anything. Hit restart. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I didn't even hit play. I hit restart. <laughs> the actual watching portion of the uh, of the movie. How did you feel about the the Muppets that were selected for each individual character? Did you have any particular favorites? Uh, not really. I don't know. Again, because I just I I haven't seen them in a while, so it's like I don't really have like one to compare to the other for mm-hmm. the most part. Like again, it's nice. To, like like Beaker was fun to see. Like because I just because I forgot about you... that character. Yeah. So seeing him again was great. Yeah, I think you you liked the mice. The Every mice... time there was a little mouse, like I like tiny. Yeah, I like tiny little things. Which is <laughs> just funny. Jesus for his pieces. Yeah. Like like the little rabbit that just gets tossed around the whole movie. Um, yeah, when but, he gets that wreath to the face, got a chuckle out of you. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, <laughs> one thing I I imagine this is pretty prevalent throughout Muppets, but I really I noticed right off the bat with breaking the fourth wall and mm-hmm. talking to the camera a lot. Yeah, I know this kind of requires it because there's kind of a narration with the story inherently. But do all the movies break the fourth wall? Do a lot of that content? Oh, they do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can think of several examples throughout each thing where there's a. Someone will make it like even as subtle as someone will make a really bad joke or like a really bad pun, and like Kermit will just turn at the screen and go, Mwah. you yeah, know, yeah. just kind of like a, yeah, I know, like we we know we made it. I figured that was the answer. Just wasn't sure. 
Yeah, so they always have that kind of self-referential, fourth-wall-breaking stuff. Uh, but it is put to use really well here with the fact that we're getting a narrator and we're getting Charles Dickens, the actual Charles Dickens, to tell us this, <laughs> this story. Um, but I love how they kept kind of falling out of whether or not they're in the universe or not. Like him referring to, you know, Rizzo saying, you're not Charles Dickens, like you're Gonzo. Like what the fuck are yeah, you talking yeah, yeah. about? Um, and my favorite version of that is when Sam the Eagle <sighs> in the past says it's business it's the american way yeah and gonzo's just like hush, hush, hush. oh sorry it's the british way yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then him just looking back and be like we good okay right we're, right we're good. yeah we're moving on <laughs> no it fits that world that you were talking about earlier about them sort of the behind the scenes mm-hmm. the production element of it yeah did you enjoy the fact that it was a, a victorian setting and not like a modern retelling yeah. or okay. yeah i like that that helped draw you in a little bit more, you think? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it looks timeless. Because if it was in 1992, I would have placed it Walkman's, what, like, who yeah. knows, you know what I mean? Did you anticipate that going in, or did you... Yeah, just... I anticipated it. I thought, I don't think it was going to be a present day, mm-hmm. if you will, contemporary. Yeah, because I think they have done that, like I was talking to you guys before. There is a TV special where they do, like, It's a Wonderful Life, basically. But it's set in 2006 or whatever year it came out. And again, it's... Oh, Kermit, what if you never got the Muppets and, you know, here's a random celebrity from that time right. period to help you through it. Well, the Muppet show beforehand has always been contemporary as far as its time and place. Yeah, every pretty much everything before this and then after Treasure Island is all, it always takes place in the year. That I just figured out. they would, oh, this is a great excuse to do something, mm-hmm. whatever, in the 18th century. Yeah. Yeah. I wish they would do more public domain, like the great Muppet Gatsby or something. You know what I mean? Like, just have like... you seen the call for that? There's a, like someone wrote a script. The second that the Great Gatsby hit the public domain, someone wrote a script. It's funny. Yeah, well, because I think the magic has to be there's only one actor. There can only be one Michael Caine esque role, mm-hmm. and then everybody else has to be Daisy's Miss Piggy. Yeah, I think, and so on and so forth. I feel like in that Kermit's Gatsby, and like the actor is Nick, and so you go through as Nick's. Nick, yeah, that makes sense. Perspective, um, but I'll send you the script link. It's pretty yeah. good. But yeah, I do too. I also wish that they would do more of the public domain stuff because it's fun. It's fun to put that Muppet spin on it, and again, it helps bring you into it. It makes it more accessible, and it can introduce younger audiences to some of these kind of drab 1800s stories and things and um, even obviously Gatsby's newer than that but you know it is fun to watch the Muppets inhabit these other worlds as opposed to just hey we're getting the band back together and we got to put on a show to save a theater to save a show or to do whatever it helps to break that up a bit but I just don't think you can make a movie these days with just one sole actor and have all Muppets around them like you're going to need a supporting cast of people to like Okay, I'll go see a Muppet movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, you'd have other humans, but I think the the focal point would be one, and then you could have celebrities showing up at the Gatsby party. Right, but I mean, something like this where it's really just one human character. Yeah, I mean... Really, I mean... Yeah, that's it. That's it. I mean, Everybody else Everyone is else is just... Set dressing. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, there's a lot of people walking in the background that are human. You know, you can see them walking through the streets of very dirty London. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, Scrooge's family and... His wife. I'm just saying from like a marketing standpoint. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'd have to have other people in it. And I, 
I don't think any of these people were named actors even in 1992. Correct. Um, but Michael Caine obviously was, right. and you could piggyback a lot of that star power off of him there. But yeah, it would be interesting to see what uh, what other public domain stories they could come up with. Yeah. Even just like a series. Like, I'd love a series where every episode it's a different public domain short story or something like that. Yeah, that would be cool. Do it, Disney+. Plus. <laughs> well, like a wishbone. Yeah, exactly. Like a wishbone. Like, just go through just those stories. Short. Yeah. But with Muppets instead of the smartest. Instead of a dog. Most literate dog. Yeah. <laughs> so, Johnny, I want to get your feelings. I want you to dive deep into this about the Ghost of Christmas Past. What were you feeling? How did it go for you? <laughs> How Annette was it? <laughs> I, at first I was like, that's a weird looking child puppet that they went for. And the more sort of to like talk and just like the its cadence and everything, I'm like, oh no, I have like this weird feeling inside of me that I've seen this before. And it just started turning more and more into a nightmare for <laughs> me. Yeah, the uh, the moment where Michael Caine reaches out and just fingertip grabs the hand of this tiny that was it, yeah, human <laughs> puppet, and you were just like, guys, enough. Yeah, it's like let go of that tiny hand. Yeah, I want to fall. Yeah, I want to go crashing down in Victorian London. But luckily, I had you guys there to assure me that this is only this is fleeting. Just, yeah, if this is just this one ghost. And I, I at least know it's yeah. not a. That feels like a misstep on the movie's part. To, it's creepy. It's, it's it, creepy. It just, it just, yeah, it's just a. I don't know. It is. It's just I, a disembodied head with a like flowy robes or whatever. There's no personality. There's like. Yeah, and I think. I mean, whatever. We do get Grim Reaper later on, who has zero personality. Yeah. yeah, I think the choice may have been to go that route because the ghosts are so much a part of the original story and you know we don't want to you know change the narrative too much by having say uh rizzo or another like well-known muppet play the ghosts yeah but it does feel like a misstep like i almost wish it had been a familiar face instead of a frightening one now again, I'm not too familiar with the story itself, but I mean, is it supposed to like represent like a like the beginning of life, like a child, like a baby, and then like death is obviously the end of it, and then yeah. in the middle you have like this jovial, completely human, yeah, ghost. usually mm-hmm. like a big like jubilant, larger than life, larger yeah. than life mm-hmm. person who like over the course becomes old and gray, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I think there's definitely a spot where you could have done, say, a, a famous Muppet, but their Muppet baby version. Like, you could do something where it's like, you're not you're not getting the one that you would see during the regular movie. You're getting, you know, Dr. Teeth as a baby or something like that. Right. You know? Yeah. But I do kind of like that it is completely separate, new, original ghost Muppets and not them playing characters. Because then I felt like, I feel like it would have delved too far into parody and not been yeah. a retelling like we get. I like the fact that it's a retelling more than if we were doing a send-up of A Christmas Carol. Because mm-hmm. you can have send-up elements and obviously they can make comedy out yeah. of it. But... It just looked like, like a leftover puppet from like Frank Oz's like like if, like if a never-ending story or something. Yeah. It just didn't belong in that movie. But I was happy to see the second ghost. Mm-hmm. Which looked like our good friend, Derek. (laughs) (laughs) 
And he'll have to send that to him after and be like, dude, this is it. It's it's perfect. This is yeah. your new look from now on. Ghost of Christmas present. But yeah, that was the only pain I had with the movie, to be honest with you. I There was one painful moment. What, what, t- a tiny Tim stick? Yeah. <laughs> when you went, is that... Is that his little stick? I know. I, I, and I, then you were just like, Jesus Christ. Christ. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like the shoving it. Oh, God, yeah. It's, it it's gets rough. dark. It gets dark. Dark. Yeah. But then I love the look on your face when the line comes around at the end that says, and Tiny Tim, who did not die. Oh, yeah. That's like, great. Oh, <laughs> tiny little frog. I lived. wasn't going to make it. <laughs> Yeah, imagine if they were like, no, Tiny Tim still dies. He still succumbs to whatever this lung disease he has in the 1800s. They could have said that and be like, just kidding, he's yeah. right here, but... Yeah. No, it's in line with their humor. It's on brand. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you know what? I, it wasn't so much a pain, but the songs weren't memorable to me. Well, I mean, you got to hear them more than once to be memorable, I guess. I but. suppose, but I mean, they were I, they weren't like catchy to me, I guess. No, none of yeah. them. None of them kind of tickled your fancy at all. No, not really. I mean, I they were well written, I guess. I don't know. I, M- I, I, musically, they were just sort of meh. Hmm. Yeah, I, I sort of agree with you there. Like the songs are, they're not as whimsical fine. as they should be. They're not. I don't know. Do you have any favorites, Bridget? Um, Ghost of Christmas Present song is fun. Oh, the street corner. That that one, I'll hum every once in a while. But the rest of them are just—they're not bad. They're just like I don't know. Yeah, they're just—they're there. They're just there. Yeah, I don't seek them out. No, I think I have like the soundtrack probably, and I'm sure at some point I'll just throw it on. Yeah. Um, there is a song that was cut from this that is in. Available in extended versions of this movie. Um, have you ever seen the the other song? I have not. I know that it's a sad one that they cut. It is. It's very sad. It it's um it's I think it's called the love is gone. I don't know if that's exactly the um, the name of it, but it takes place after Bell breaks up with Ebenezer, where his like the love of his life is now gone. And his yeah, life there seems is in to be shambles. a weird call right there where there may where's the song. Yeah, so she just because she says like, "Oh, you did love me once," and then goes into her song about how they loved each other and they they were she planning for the future. Right. Yeah. yeah, and I think the guy might have some like back and forth, like he might take a verse or something like that. But it's an okay song, but it's obviously not there. The one thing that I that I do like when it is in there is that it's the same tune more or less to the love we found at the end so it's kind of like the it's the antithesis to the big swell ending of that was the moment that ebenezer lost any love and any happiness and any chance at love and he's just been a stone cold asshole since that moment and until the big finale where it swells to oh, look, we found love again, everything's happy, it's jovial, he keeps Christmas all throughout the year. So from a movie standpoint, it does kind of make the ending better, but it is kind of just like a longer paused song from a character who is in it for three minutes tops. Yeah. I mean, I get it because why they cut it, because it's... He's the only human character who has a number at the end. They're all Muppets going into it for to introduce one human character sing for a few minutes. It's more like earned and a bigger reveal for him to start singing at the end. 
when you've just been watching Muppet sing the entire time. Mm-hmm. So but, yeah, yeah, it wasn't in the theatrical. Uh, it's on some home releases, and it's a extra on the Disney Plus version. So if you go it. into the extras. That song is there from the movie. It's not just like a YouTube video of the lyrics or something like that. Right, it's the right. actual scene. So it does make the ending a little bit better, but it does kind of slow the pacing a bit. Which, how did you feel about the pacing? Because it is just kind of a brisk 90 minutes, at least for me. But... It's fine. Okay. Yeah. yeah, no complaints there, really. Obviously, you wanted to kind of fast track the first ghost. Yeah. But... <laughs> that could have been faster. I dealt with it, but yeah. No, it's a good speed. Yeah. I guess it's, I... An, it's a ghost story. You're meant to be scared. Yeah. You're meant to be unsettled. Yeah. True. And she does it. Yeah. And this is good because compared to Scrooge, I don't know, I'm trying to recollect or rack my brain about one of the complaints I had with that movie, but I think they were spending too much time on one particular ghost, and they sort of rushed the other two. I believe so. I don't remember which one. Which maybe one. one of my complaints. And here, they seem to get pretty much equal time. It yeah. was the, the ghost of Christmas present, I think. The lady ghost, I feel like. Maybe. It was very annoying. Who was the actress? Carol... Um, what's her face? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. I can't think of her last name. The high-pitched, the yes. high-pitched Carol. Mm-hmm. Um, hold on, I'll get it. Sorry, Carol. Carol Kane. Carol Kane. Got it. Yes. Is the, uh, the ghost of Christmas present, I believe. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I know I'm watching, I know I'm watching a kid's movie. I think even before you are saying it's 90 minutes, so, I mean, there was a play of it going in where I'm, like, if I'm even, like, remotely, like, I gotta get out of this scene, I'm tired. Like, well, not remotely, we know there was one sequence where I had to get out of it. Um, but that, it was, the next part of the movie was gonna come soon. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, it it's a great, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great duration, I suppose, yeah, for the movie. Now, we talked a little bit about it, it being a ghost story and being scary. Uh, Bridget, I want to get your feedback because we didn't obviously talk about this in the before part, but do you remember, were you ever scared of any of the ghosts? Like, do you remember kind of as a kid, any part that was particularly spookier than others? I mean, the ghost of Christmas yet to come is always scary, Mm -hmm. at least in any kind of good adaptation. Mm -hmm. Um, And the, the transition from Christmas present to Christmas yet to come um, I think this movie does really well, like feels very menacing. You don't want our friend Derek to leave. You like want him to like, no, let's hang out. Oh, we're having such a good time. I get it now. And you, you don't want to have to eat your vegetables kind of thing. And well, cause they're singing and talking and you shouldn't eat your talking vegetables. It's true. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> but yeah, that, that ghost is pretty menacing in a, in a different way. Yeah. Um, and the, the fact that it doesn't say anything and just gestures and is very big and and dark. The long fingers. Yeah. Ooh. And the score is great for that too. Like mm-hmm. the whole thing just turns and it's raining throughout most of his his section, just to really emphasize the dreary, gross nature of this alternate terrible future. Yeah. Uh, as a kid, I always got scared during the Marley and Marley. Just, oh yeah yeah because there's a lot of those noises oh <laughs> um, but just something about like the chains and the boxes and just the michael kane really sells that he's scared so mm-hmm. i think like as a kid it was always like oh, oh crap and the door the door knocker always really gets you in the mood for the scary parts yeah because when that thing transforms in front of your face and then goes <laughs> and michael kane freaks out and rizzo falls over and uh, it always just really set the mood for a creepy, creepy time. 
<laughs> you have the the gas lights and the candlelight, and it's a dark, spooky house. Yeah. He attacks the robe. Mm-hmm. Just like the whole thing has you on edge as a kid. I mean, was there any... Obviously, Annette, the uh, Annette Christmas task one just gave yeah. you a terrible internal feel, but did you get the sense of, like, this could be scary? Yeah, sure. I mean, for a kid, it could be scary. It gets, again, that third ghost is pretty scary stuff. Yeah, the part where all the chains and the boxes is a lot of overstimulation for a kid, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just always had the, like, question of, like, where did they get the chains? Like, I could not wrap my mind around as a child. Like, they are metaphorical chains. Mm-hmm. I, was, I just remember asking my mother, who put the chains there? Did Scrooge put the chains? What are the chains? Like, I was just very fixated <laughs> on the chain aspect. They're also they're also very practical. They're used to hold up their arms for the puppets. Yeah. <laughs> you notice they're just they're they're like the, stiff chains, and they just add the sound effect of chains, and they 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 make you think that you're watching loose chains, but they're actually just there to hold up the, the arms. Yeah, and when like they wrap Michael Caine up in the chains, and they're like right in his face, and they're going in between that like ethereal see through, mm-hmm. but also then the physical Muppets, uh, and the use of Staller and Waldorf there is just. So choice. Yeah. I love all of the, like, the picks. Obviously, Miss Piggy and Kermit are uh, the Cratchits. And then Kermit's nephew Robin is Tiny Tim. And the other ones are just made up frogs and pigs. Yeah. Um, Fozzie is Fozzie Wig and his rubber chicken factory is hilarious. Sam the Eagle is the, the, you know, the studious headmaster is great. Um, I just love all of the, like, picks for what famous Muppets are going to be in this. Yeah. I like animal, like just restraining so hard to like get into the drum, <laughs> the just hitting the triangle. That's some good shit. Yeah, that's always. And of course, then he, then you get your animal moment of him freaking out. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But know. like, I just that is again something that's just been I've absorbed. I've seen before him going nuts on the drum set. Mm-hmm. That when he shows up and I see the drum kit and that happens, I just connect with it immediately. And I think it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it subverts your expectations. Correct. Because of, like, how classic Animal's personality is, and then you go completely 180 to the other way to start yeah. it. For, like, a fleeting moment, I'm, like, a Muppet fan, but I know what I'm seeing, and, yeah. I, and I'm so used to that. Yeah. And then I'm back into, like, I I, I don't know what I'm watching. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any particular favorite jokes or bits or visual gags that you uh, wrote down? I, 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 Rizzo just constantly getting knocked out from a window or down a chimney is always fun stuff to watch. Um, Did you like the retrieval of the jelly beans through the gate? That was good. I like that a lot. That's like total naked gun shit, though. That's like, I don't know, like, like escaping out of a prison cell. The, 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 the bars are like three feet, but like reaching for the key that's like right there. It's like you can just go through it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, just little lines here and there are funny. Um, I'll, 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 I laughed a lot, just like the puppetry sometimes mm-hmm. I thought was pretty funny. But yeah, I will admittedly, I think I wanted a funnier Muppet movie, and I know that exists. And I think you guys would probably say the same thing, too. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. not the funniest, but I do think it's just kind of the sweetest, and the like, the messaging is good, and it, the up and down from like, okay, it's a funny setup, and, you know, we're throwing wreaths at bunnies, and the rats in the the accounting firm are doing their bits and it's hilarious and then you get all the really sad stuff about heartbreak and lost loves and you know one not... lonely crutch by the fireplace yeah. oh my god <laughs> um, and then you come back for this big rousing finale and i don't know just like the kind of roller coaster of emotions always just kind of hit the right tone 
for a Christmas movie specifically. Like, I don't know that I would want another Muppet movie to, like, be funny and then really, really sad and then come back at the end to be happy and fun. But it works more in a Christmas movie than it would in any, literally any other type yeah, of Yeah, I got the sense this is probably the most dramatic Muppet movie I'll ever watch. Yeah. I mean, I everything so. else is pretty much like a through line of when can we make the audience laugh at something. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there's less hijinks in yeah. this than there would normally yeah. be. But for a brand who's like, that's their goal is to like make you laugh a lot, that doing this and earning it mm-hmm. and like doing it well, like it's kudos to them. Mm-hmm. And I know you were going to talk about too that, so this is Jim Henson's, not his, his son did this one. Yeah, so his son Brian directed it. I don't, like Jim didn't direct all of the other movies or anything like that, but this is uh, his son Brian's directorial debut. Um, and this is also the first movie with a new Kermit, uh, because Jim Henson died in 1990. Uh, if you guys have not seen The Funeral, it is the saddest thing I've ever seen on the internet. We can't talk about it right uh, now. <laughs> um, but just seek it out uh, if you want to. You just need a good cry. Um, but it is the uh, the first with a new Kermit, who it's Steve Whitmer. He studied under Jim. It was the Henson family's request that he take over. He was he did all sorts of other voices before Kermit. He does Rizzo. Um, and then this is kind of his big step up to the Kermit role. And he continued to do Kermit until like 2015 or something like that. So it was kind of a like a big deal. I think it even says like for Jim or something either at the beginning. At the beginning, the yeah, that's yeah. why I mentioned it's, it. Yeah, dedicated to him, and then one other puppeteer, the original Statler and um, what's his name performer who passed away of complications from HIV and AIDS, like mm. the year after Jim. I think this is like the first sort of big Muppets project that is happening without them as like a part of the the crew yeah yeah so i mean it's a lot of first because it's also their first adaptation as we talked about mm-hmm. like they hadn't done anything like that before uh, and i think that 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 also probably helped them ease into making a muppet movie without jim henson is okay let's not try to tell a singular muppet story and try to come up with something that would match jim's legacy all these other things let's just make something for us and i think that kind of also adds to the sadness of, okay, the patriarch of this family is gone. And here we're talking about loss and love and family and all of these other themes that just goes so well with the scenario, which obviously is, it's not part of the movie. Like, you know, it's not an undertone or an undercurrent of that. It's just, if you know, then that kind of adds depth to it. Yeah. Uh, even though it is just pretty much a straight adaptation of the story. Gotcha. Have you ever heard the story Steve Whitmere tells about um, the night before he was set to record the songs for this movie? Uh, possibly, but I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. So uh, apparently the night before he's set to record, he had a dream where he met Jim Henson in a hotel lobby and told like Jim Henson in his dream, I'm so like nervous and scared. And Jim said it would be okay in his dream. Hmm. I just think that's sweet. (laughs) Um, So I'm just looking at some of the trivia items here. Apparently Michael Caine said that uh, the role of Scrooge is one of his most memorable to him. Uh, He loved it. He also said that when he told them he was going to do it, he said, I'm playing it straight. I'm playing it like I was doing a 
Shakespeare in the park. I'm not doing anything Muppety. I'm not doing anything zany. I'm just playing Scrooge like Scrooge has always been played. And they were like, yeah, do it. That's why we got Michael Caine. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't get Michael Caine to do Muppet stuff. We got Michael Caine to do awesome acting and knock it out of the park, dude. Go for it. Yeah. He did a good job for a fucking kid's Muppet. I mean, whatever. It just... Yeah. Much more to undermine it. It just... It's, a, it's good. It's, it's good a, acting. It's a, a puppet adaptation of A Christmas Carol, and Michael Caine is... A Golden Globe in... nom, Ellie. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Richard Hunt was the other person this was dedicated to. Thank you, yes. Um, yeah, Statler and Waldorf. One was Henson, one was um, Hunt. Okay. So they did it together. Yeah, that's... Okay, yep. So where does this movie sit with you guys against the others? Um, I mean, I talked about it a little bit before. I think it's probably number two for me, just because of the frequency in which I watch it, which is pretty much every year. Yeah. Did I steal did this opportunity steal away your Christmas Eve, Christmas Day? Nope. So I'm gonna watch it Christmas Eve. <laughs> I need something to watch while wrapping presents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, I think just because of the frequency, because it, I, I watched it growing up with my family. Yeah. It has that special place, but the Muppet movie is still the best to me. And that's the like the original the Muppet movie, which came out when the seventies. Is it like seventy four, seventy six? Uh, 79. So the Muppet movie in, in 79, which is great. If you haven't seen that, we'll do that one at some point too. Yeah. Uh, that one's a lot of fun. That's a, that's one with a lot of 1970s celebrity cameos. And, and yeah, I think the Muppet show itself started in like 78, I want to say, or maybe just after this. I don't remember specifically, but yeah, I think the Muppet movie is number one. And then this probably goes number two. And then I think Manhattan and yeah. Caper. And it's been a long time since I've seen Treasure Island. I liked that one a lot as a kid, but I have a feeling it might not hold up as well. I don't know. Hmm. It's been a while. Yeah. Well, Johnny's never seen it, so we can do that one too. <laughs> yeah. Muppet March. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. It's weird that they tempted to do SNL with this. Um, A lot of early SNL was very strange. Like, now it feels much more dialed in, yeah. like some of the sketch humor, but... When they were first starting, it was much more like throw things at the wall and see what yeah. sticks. Yeah, like, but you got to remember there's like Triumph the Insult Comic Dog started on right, SNL right, right. stuff. So it's like that seems more in line with the Muppets. And obviously the, the Muppets have changed over the years to where, like I think you said, what, cigarette commercials or whatever yeah. that they were doing back in the 70s. Which like, are much more, to use an appropriate word, gonzo mm-hmm. and like violent and slapstick and well, so yeah, that's... I just see Gonzo doing lines with Belushi. Like... Yeah, there's like, there's, you can see some of that edge more. Like, yeah. it makes sense on SNL, but I think it really matures in The Muppet Show. Yeah. And there, I mean, there are a lot of characters where it's, you know, guys getting exploded. Like, Gonzo gets shot out of a cannon a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a guy whose whole bit is he just carries around one of those TNT boxes and just explodes yeah. stuff. Um, so I th- it was obviously very different. And then. Even the Sesame Street stuff that is older Muppet Sesame Street stuff, like it has the educational things for kids, but I also think there's like some tongue in cheek, like, huh, huh, huh? Right, right. Um, like I just saw one come across my timeline, oddly enough, the other day, where it was a guy in a trench coat walking up to Ernie, asking him if he wants to buy an eight. Which, like, to a kid, oh, we're learning numbers, whatever. But, like, to an adult, you're like, an eight of what? Yeah, what? really. An eight. And then 
the clip continues with Ernie going like, oh, I would, but I don't have any money because earlier this guy came by and I just bought a nine. And like goes to pull out a nine and the guy's like, whoa, what? Which, you know. Wow. To an adult now, it's like, that's a gun. But to a yeah, kid, yeah. it's like, oh, numbers. Okay, who cares? <laughs> um, so the Muppets has always kind of blended that line between we're fun, we're puppets, we're for kids, but also there's going to be some tongue-in-cheek stuff for the, the parents. And that's more apparent in stuff like the Muppet movie, where there are innuendos and more yeah. over-the-top, over-kids-heads kind of jokes. Now, what's the consensus on the newer ones, like the one with Siegel and... I mean, for me, it was a decent, worthwhile reboot. The sequel, not so much, because he also wasn't as involved in the sequel. Got it. I think he was just an executive producer. I don't think he wrote it. He wasn't on board. He wasn't in it, I don't believe. If he was, it was just brief. They basically took the character that was his little brother in the reboot and followed him through the next one. Got it. Um, But, I mean, it's always going to have ups and downs. You know, the 90s was a dip for Muppet stuff, and... The early 2000s, honestly, too, until that came up. And then it was, okay, Muppet Resurgence a little bit. And then we're kind of back down again. And the stuff I've seen, like, I, I don't know if I mentioned on this, but I think Bridget and we talked about it. I saw the Muppets Haunted Mansion special that came out, which was okay. It's not great. It was fun. It was Muppets, but it wasn't anything like this where you're like, oh, man, what a masterpiece or what a classic Muppet thing that I'll watch every Halloween. It was just kind of like, eh, fine. So, yeah, it it ebbs and flows. I think it's hard, as you get further away from it, I think it's harder and harder to get the organic feel of the Muppets because so many people aren't involved now that were then. Gotcha. You know, the more years go on, the farther away you get from a puppeteer who knew Jim or who knew the people that knew Jim. And so the you're always going to have people who do this stuff that grew up on the Muppets, that grew up on Sesame Street, that have read the books, the biographies, the autobiographies, all of the the history of it. But you're not going to get the same kind of vibe or feel than you would if you knew the man at the time. It's a difference between reading history and living it, obviously. Um, and I think that's kind of the problem of the longevity. But the stuff that exists is just so good for me, especially that... It doesn't matter. I'll see anything that comes out and try not to hold a candle to it. I don't know. How do you feel about it, Bridget? Yeah, see, I'm the type of person that still hasn't seen the fourth Indiana Jones movie, so I'm (laughs) totally okay with just being like, and then there's no more new Muppets. We can just go back and enjoy, you know, so, but I don't, I don't seek it out, but. So you haven't seen any of the new stuff? I saw the Jason Segel movie when it came out and I did enjoy it, but. Yeah, I haven't seen, like, The Office show, any of that. Got it. Yeah, I also don't, I... I'm firmly, I'm taking the hand, the tiny doll hand. Like, like the ghost of Christmas like Pan. Like, going into the past. <laughs> just flying off into the past. I do love that transition, though, when they're flying into the light. And then the transition, uh, the ghost of Christmas yet to come, where it just, like, warps in a spiral. And oh. they, like, walk through that portal. Yeah. Those are great. Just to bring it back around. Just to be like, <laughs> the I, wait a minute, there's current, one more other thing I yeah, like about the this movie, movie that we're currently watching. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to talk in great detail about this movie because it is just a straightforward Retailing, Christmas Carol yeah. adaptation. Uh, what about you, Bridget? Was there any like bits or jokes that are particular favorites of yours that we didn't go over? Oh, I do. You covered the Sam the Eagle one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I just enjoy this movie's great because you get to see lots of different kinds of Muppets Mm. crowded together and moving. Like, that's part of the fun and the humor for me is, you know, just, like, 
this that cow Muppet looks ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious, and yeah. the way that they move. It's always that's funny. Enjoyable. It looks like a Muppet version of the horse costume where there's like a guy in the front and a guy in it the does, back. Yeah. But it's like it's almost like there's two Muppets inside of that uh, yes. doing a Muppet horse, which I always delights me. Yeah. I also love the guy who was doing a puppet show as a Muppet. So it's like he's a Muppet doing puppets in the streets of London and like he's hitting them with a bat or whatever. Right. Yeah. But yeah, no, there are a good variety that I always like. Like I like the scene in the Christmas yet to come where they're that giant spider is trying to buy up memorabilia of Scrooge's because mm-hmm. like you don't see giant Muppet spiders or any of the other weird bug creatures that are his friends. I always laugh when they're at uh, Fred's Christmas dinner and it's like Fred and his wife and like another human couple and then like a pig Muppet couple, which again, is not that jarring because we see Miss Piggy, we see all kinds of other pigs. Uh, but then there's, there's just those weird, grimy... Like goblin yeah, couple? boil-infested, like, weird green one. And you're just like, huh, I'm not judging. <laughs> Wouldn't do that. But it does seem out of the ordinary for what I am accustomed to with Muppets. Yeah. I would expect those people to be in the dungeon, you know, trying to buy a Scrooge's loincloth or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think if there's anything else that I know was particularly a good bit. Just most of the setup stuff. Light the lamp, not the rats. Always fun for me. Any of the, any of the Rizzo Gonzo. Yeah, that that stuff is the, the funniest stuff to me. And it, it, it that's also a, a point of why I don't like some of the newer stuff as much. Is particularly with the haunted mansion, they've replaced Rizzo with Pepe the King Prawn, who is another Muppet. He's a newer Muppet, and he's just not as fun. And he's got like a weird. He's a he's almost like a Pepe Le Pew type. He's like a womanizer, and he's always trying to like hook up with the celebrity woman that is in that shot and it doesn't it's not fun like it's just kind of cringy yeah. whereas like Rizzo's funny and he his break in the fourth wall is good and his rapport with Gonzo in this movie is great and so I'm always looking for that dynamic and none of the newer stuff really has it it kind of bothers me it already bothers me <laughs> <laughs> yeah any other uh, final thoughts then Johnny that you want to Put a bow on this? No, I definitely want to check out some of the other ones. I mean, ones that are around that era, you know, early 90s. I want to check out the, the 79 movie that mm-hmm. we had mentioned. Again, it's not like it made a fan out of me. I think I've always sort of liked the Muppets. I just maybe have more, surprisingly have interest as an adult to check out more material. Yeah, and I think the older stuff too will will hit a bit more for you in terms of the comedy, in terms of references yeah. and fourth wall breaking and stuff. But as a Christmas movie, it's great. I think it's a good Christmas movie. And now you said you wouldn't turn it off. Do you think this will ever be a... Like, will you ever give it another chance on your own and see if it kind of fits into a rotation for you? Or Probably not. If I ever babysitter of Offspring, I'll probably show them. But okay. beyond that, I think yeah. that's kind of where it ends. Yeah. I think you have to already kind of be a Muppets person mm. Yeah. to have this. Or a Christmas Carol person. Yeah, which I, I don't know that I want to meet a Christmas Carol person. Yeah, that's like... Oh. <laughs> That's my favorite story, and I have to intake every adaptation yeah. possible. I love the chains, yeah. <laughs> um, the 1901 movie, guys, you gotta see it. We should. We should. <laughs> it's probably short. There you go. We'll do that next year. We'll do one Christmas Carol like adaptation frames. a year. <laughs> so, eventually we'll get through them all, I think. But uh, any other last thoughts, Bridget? Anything else you want to get out there before we wrap things up? No. 
God bless us, everyone. Everyone. And fuck Annette. <laughs> fuck her. Uh, all right, well, that'll do it then for this week's episode of Fine I'll Watch It. Remember, you can find every episode of Fine I'll Watch It every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. So let us know what you think of the Muppet Christmas Carol. What are some of your favorite Muppet movies, TV shows? What adaptations of public domain stories would you like to see the Muppets cover? And what is your favorite Christmas Carol adaptation that isn't this one? Let us know on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. But once again, for fine, I'll watch it. My name is Adam. I'm Johnny. And I'm Bridget. And thanks so much for listening.